The Trouble with Transformation, a serialized podcast by Alison Whip. Chapter 23 A Plan Falls Into Our Hands. Danny went to pull me out of the way, but I gave him a gentle push. No! I held my ground. I swallowed and hoped that Betty's dad had done a better job with his gum than he had with those skates. According to the pack, one stick of non stick jaw superglue gum could stop a 10-ton truck in its tracks. I didn't need it to stop a truck. I just needed it to stop Betty. But she was going very fast. When Betty's rocket-propelled legs came within arm's length, I dropped the gum to the ground and took a step back. Betty's eyes widened as her feet came to a sharp stop. Her top half catapulted forward and the full weight of Betty's torso crashed into me like a wall of bricks. I went down, seeing stars as Betty's jaw connected with my forehead. G, G, are you all right? Danny said, buzzing about. Wow, Betty, I said, emerging from under Betty's tangle of limbs. For someone so wispy light, you seriously pack a punch. Could somebody please turn those things off? I pointed at Betty's feet. The skates were firing blue-green flames. Mr. Robbo bravely stepped forward, searching for the off button. My wrist! It's on my wrist! Betty cried, fingers digging into my shoulders, causing me to wince. A series of twinges shot from my knee, my elbows, my hips. I was aching all over. Mr. Robbo located a drive resembling a wristwatch and flicked a red switch. Betty's feet instantly relaxed. Again, I bore the brunt of Betty's full weight. Oof, Betty. Remind me to never go head-to-head with you again, I said, when I'd detangled myself once more. Betty's knees buckled, and she sank to the ground. She managed a weak smile. Everyone was laughing and cheering, everyone except Brian Harden and Meg Manchester. They were standing at the edge of the fray, looking like they'd bitten into an unripe banana. You managed to stop Betty with a lousy piece of bubble gum? Meg asked. The corner of my mouth lifted. Not just any old bubble gum, eh, Betty? Her smile grew brighter. It's her dad's non stick jaw glue gum. Like the label says, sticks like glue, but not to your gums. You'd know, Brian. I said, smiling innocently. About a month earlier, Betty had sneaked in a packet of gum from her dad's lap, and surprise, surprise, Brian couldn't help himself. He'd taken a swipe at a chewed bit with his brand new cricket bat, while Betty was blowing a bubble. But the joke had been on him. Mr Leggett, the woodwork teacher, had to gouge the gum from Brian's bat and repair it with wood filler. The bat was English Willow. In the time I'd known him, it was the only occasion I'd ever seen Brian cry. At the reminder, Brian's expression darkened, but he didn't retort. My eyes narrowed. What was he up to? Betty shook herself down and cast a sheepish glance at the crowd. I'd better tell my dad to ease up on the rate of fuel release, she said, and work on the controls. Palm controls would work better than wrist, 
It's not obvious until you're wearing them. Principal Bly nudged his way to the front of the crowd and stood in front of us, hands on hips. Test them at home next time. The schoolyard is no place for the likes of these. He nodded towards the now innocent-looking skates. For now, you can make your way to my office. You can spend the next few lunchtimes in detention. That should give you some thinking time to iron out those problems. Or, he added, fine-tune your submission for the state science fair. I only hope your project is more reliable and a lot less dangerous. With an impatient flick of his hand, Bly gestured for Betty to start walking. And please, for everyone's sake, take those diabolical things off. Betty nodded, reaching up to smooth her wild bird's nest of hair. As she rolled across to a nearby bench to remove her skates, she looked over her shoulder and smiled at me. Her teeth were now perfectly straight and brace-free. Thanks for helping. I shrugged. No problem. I was about to walk away when I noticed the rollers on Betty's skates. They were made of the same dull, dark grey metal as Kat's skis, her triathlon bike and her tennis rackets. Titanium, I thought, struck by a flash of inspiration. Betty, I said, do you want to hang out tomorrow, after school? I was thinking Danny and I could come to your place. A flush swept across Betty's cheeks. She lowered her eyes to the skates resting between her knees. Um, you know how far away I live, don't you? She said, looking from me to Danny, who was just breaking away from Mr. Robbo to join us. Are you sure your folks would be willing to drive out there to pick you up? Actually, I was thinking we could have a stayover. Then we could all just hitch a lift to your place and ride with you to school the next morning. I flashed my best smile then turned to Danny. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Staying at Betty's tomorrow night? Danny squinted, as though trying to solve a puzzle with several missing pieces. Fortunately, Betty didn't seem to notice. I'll have to check with my parents, but it should be okay. Our housekeeper, Mrs. Blanche, cooks a mean corn fritter. I was about to respond when a shadow cast over us. Um, can I talk to you for a sec? I looked up to find Sean standing next to me. He'd kept a wary distance from me and the fishes during the past week. I suppose I couldn't blame him for being confused over our new social dynamic. I was feeling pretty discombobulated myself. What's up? I said. He had that petrified possum look in his eyes again. Brian had clearly struck. Oh man, I knew it. It was too much to dream that he'd leave Sean alone. I leaned forward to hear the damage, but someone pushed into the space between us. Well, that was amazing, Erica Fisher said, looping her arm through mine. Etta slipped her hand through the crook of my other arm. Ostentatiously heroic. You must tell us everything. With synchronised precision, the twins yanked me to my feet and pulled me along with them. I glanced over my shoulder and winced apologetically at Betty and Sean as I was swept away. Danny's squint intensified as he hurried to catch us up. I could practically see the synapses in his brain firing, trying to make sense of what just happened. Me? 
I let myself be swept. I had to be careful with the fishes. Although the balance seemed to fall on my side, I took their action around Sean as a clear message. We stand with you against Brian, but don't push your luck. Social suicide averted. The twins peppered me with oohs and ahs as they walked me through the story. Denny joined in, seeming to have all but forgotten about Betty and Sean as he fired off questions about the properties of Mr J's non-stick jaw glue gum. But I knew him well enough to know he was just biding his time. He got his chance when the fishes split off from the rest of us to go to history, and Danny and I continued to the science building. What was all that about? he asked. Oh, they're just being showy with their loyalty. I rolled my eyes. They're sticking closer to me than sweaty shirts on a rugby team. But it's kind of nice. Beats them taking Brian's side. Danny's brow puckered. What? Oh, them. No, I mean with Betty. I grinned, feeling just a teensy bit smug about my win. It should be obvious to a bright spark like you. You were saying earlier you don't have the materials to build that maggoty machine of Terry's. Well, we both know someone who does. Danny said to me, You know there's no way I'll be allowed to stay at Betty Jansen's tomorrow night, especially if you're coming too. Mama seems to think Kat's running some sort of party den. I snorted. Ha, pottery barn is more like it. I swear, if Kat makes me one more patchwork quilt... Anyway... The bottom line is, I think you might be on your own tomorrow night. Please, Dan. You know I can't do this thing alone. I'm a chemist, not a physicist. Ask me to whip up an acetate and I'm your person. But I wouldn't recognise a circuit board from a capacitor, I said, throwing my hands up in my best approximation of helplessness. Just tell your mama that because you and Betty are representing the school at the science fair, you need to show a united front. And Mr Jansen will be coaching you both. Danny started to protest, but I headed him off with my best cross-eyed pleading dog impression. He laughed. You look more psychopath than cute puppy. You know that. But okay, I'll help you. On two conditions. No stealing, only borrowing. That means after the science fair, we have to dismantle the machine and find a way to give everything back. Deal. I mean it. I know you do. What's condition number two? No danger. I've had a gut full of dead spies and rustling bushes in the dark. If the Jansen place is even half as policed as you say it is, you'll need a cracking plan. I smiled, a genuinely grateful smile. The fact that we didn't have a plan at this stage was a minor, insignificant detail. Danny was on side, and we'd find a way to get what we needed to build your machine. A safe way. Somehow. Don't worry, I said. You just work out things with your mama and I'll sort out the rest. <laughs>